Welcome to 27th of March, SingEVL live stream. Okay, so I have a few, few things to mention. So the first thing is, remember everyone, we are CPD accredited. Um, if you want a CPD certificate afterwards, all you need to do is call us and we'll give you a CPD certificate. Sign up on the SingerVL YouTube channel and you will receive notifications of anything that um, we are posting, be it uh, marketing, property, etc. You can watch us on Facebook. I think people are watching us on Facebook now. So anybody watching us should share. I don't know, I don't know how you, I, I'm on it. I can't see myself. But anyway, so share. If you're very bored this evening and you can't sleep because you're worried about the world, you can listen to the Singavio podcast. Always a good one. Very, very popular. You can sign up to receive email notifications on anything that we're selling. Remember on our website and you can also sign up to on-screen notifications. So that is the, that's the uh, initial introduction. Now, what we now do, everyone, um, I used to be able to see how many people were actually watching. What, you can, what we can now do is we actually have people can send messages and they can join as panelists at any one time. I'm actually able to invite them in. I can try any, I can try if people ask. So if you send me a message, I should be able to get you added to the discussion if you want at any one time. Now at this, can I just, at the very beginning, I just want to wish everyone well, of course, in this most difficult time. And um, that's the most important thing. Now, I just want to introduce everyone. Let's just see, let's just see who's here. Hi, going from, um, <laughs> can someone, Celine, where's Celine? Can someone tell Celine that Marcus has joined, clicked the wrong link, as probably has Richard? Um, if you couldn't, someone could please send a message to him. Right, anyway, as I was saying, let's just introduce everyone. We have Dale Henry, Dale Henry top left, Neil Singer, Daniel Elia. We have Jonathan Crossland, uh, who is a software architect, author, developer, tech leader, click to purchase, and part of the Singerville PropTech team. We have Hamish Dupree, head of London markets at WiredScore. Um, we'll come back to that in a moment. We have Douglas Wilson in Scotland. We have Graham Waddell. Um, and um, I've also got with me, I've also actually got another special guest just to introduce everyone to. I've got Mr. Yamazaki. So given it's Friday and um, I'm not driving because I'm not going anywhere, I thought I would have a live toast to the property market on air. Sorry, it's not Japanese whiskey, uh, oh, Graham. You could have told us and we would have got ours sorted. Well, it's Friday. I mean, you can, you know, oh, you're welcome. Yeah, it's one o'clock. Oh, past 12 o'clock. You know, yeah, you're welcome. I've got a coffee. Like. <coughs> yeah, look, there's, oh, hello. Hello, David Tubian. You look very different. Uh, a bit of, bit of. Uh, I'll just so go get myself one. You go get yourself one. So, oh, and this is, this is uh, Susanna. Anyway, so Lachaim, everyone. Cheers. And get well soon. There we go. Lovely. Very nice. Now, Susanna is a very special guest today, but come on, Susanna knows all about um, blockchain, as does Jonathan. David Tubian um, uh, is friendly with Susanna. So that David, Quite David, friendly. Yeah, so David Tubian has joined to us. Okay, so that's the team. 
and it's all very lighthearted. So I used to be able to see how many people were watching, actually. We've got 39 watching. How do you see that? Uh, Down the bottom. Oh, yeah, 40. 40 now. Come on, let's... Can you all go into your phones and and share on, please share on um, Facebook. Let's get let's let's make this like thousands. Let's. Mm. Do you know what I, I tell you what I think we should all do actually as well. Just as we start, everybody went outside in last night and clapped the NHS. Should we do a let's do a singer VL let's do a singer VL NHS clap. That's it. That's it. <laughs> right. Let's get on with stuff. Right. Let's talk. We, I thought we would start off talking about Wired Score, Hamish. Now, Wired Score is a commercial real estate rating scheme that empowers landlords to understand, improve, and promote their buildings. So, Certainly. we thought we would give you the floor. Actually, of course. Um, well, I've, 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 to... I've Sorry, actually no. got. I've actually got for you, um, Hamish. I've actually got um, your website, so I can share that with anyone watching. And I've also got that the blog that you sent, so I can refer to that. Would you be helpful if you could tell me what you want to share to your screen? Let me know. Whenever of course. You want. Well, look, thank you for the introduction and thanks for having me on um, this afternoon. Um, so, as you said, my name is Hamish Dupree. I'm the head of London Markets at WiredScore. Um, and WiredScore is a digital connectivity rating scheme for commercial real estate, um, which I realise is, is a little bit of a mouthful. Um, essentially, we work with landlords and developers across the globe to help them better understand their buildings from a connectivity perspective, um, improve those buildings, and then supply the market with an independent certification that then reflects buildings quality um, into the wider market. Um, we were launched back in, in 2013 in New York. Um, it's actually in partnership with Michael Bloomberg, who was mayor at the time, and had been receiving some quite candid feedback from, from tenants approaching him and saying, look, there's no real easy way to tell um, how well connected these buildings are. Um, and we need to know that before we're signing leases. Um, so he tasked our founder with coming up with a solution. And that solution was, was wired score and, and wired certification. Um, okay. We then launched into the UK in, in 2015, again, in partnership with the GLA um, and, and Boris Johnson when he was mayor of London um, to really improve the, the connectivity of, of office buildings across the city. And the best way to do that is to, to work with landlords um, and then actually provide a um, independent certification that grades office buildings. How, so, how, how, sorry, many, how many buildings do you, um, how many buildings do you have? Um, so to, to put some numbers around that, we um, across the globe have now certified over 600 million square feet um, um, and that's across the nine countries we operate in. Um, in. In the UK alone, you're talking about around about 90 million uh, square feet and of that around 45 is, is in London. So to talk about London specifically, it's around 450 buildings roughly that have undertaken um, certification and are now actively <coughs> promoting that into the market. Um, in terms of the way we grade buildings, there's four ratings. So platinum is our, our best in class, um, gold, silver, certified, and then those that don't meet the minimum requirements. Um, to give some context around that, um, around the globe, roughly 7% of buildings are, are in the platinum category, and that is hard, hard to obtain. And from a tenant perspective, not all tenants need 
the, um, the infrastructure that comes with the platinum building. That's mainly your financial tenants and tech tenants. Um, but really the conditions that caused us to launch was just that growing importance of, of the internet in, in, in all our lives and actually how central the internet has become to business in quite a short period of time, really. Yeah, it's interesting because when we took our building, you're right, that's the question I asked is, um, what's, the, what's the line speed? What's or, the what? Okay, that's Richard, no doubt. Let's just mute Richard <laughs> yeah, as, exactly. nor as normal. <laughs> and if you think about um, the, the last 10 years, really cloud computing has become um, the proliferation of cloud computing into business has been has been monumental. And if I think about my career, um, all the companies I've worked at have, have really used cloud computing to host their data, um, um, not locally. So gone are the days where you lose connectivity in, in your building and you can still really be productive. Um, if you lose connectivity and you can't access your data, um, really it's hard to do any meaningful work. And actually, um, real estate is, is actually just catching up on that increased importance of the internet to business. Um, it, you don't have to go back too long, whereby it wasn't central to everything we do, whereas now that is clearly the case. Well, we, we might, we're going to ask a that. question. Um, what, what constitutes platinum? What do you have to be, does the building have to have very, very quick? Is it fiber optic or is it some other class above that or? Of course. So actually what we're, what we're looking at here and what we're measuring isn't actually speed. So in a commercial context, if I'm, if I'm a tenant of a business looking to take a lease in an office building, as long as there's fiber um, present in the building, I can procure any speeds I want. It's just about how much I'm willing to pay for that. So really um, what we're looking at is the things that matter most to tenants. So for example, um, resilience. So the costs involved um, if you lose connectivity for, for an hour, um, today and for, for a, a commercial tent a, a huge so really what they want to be um, what they want to make sure is that there is no single point of failure somewhere in the net in the network of the infrastructure within the building because actually um, conversely to what most people um, would imagine the majority of internet outages are caused by issues with the physical infrastructure of buildings and that's all within the landlord control so to come back to your question what makes a platinum building um, in an ideal world, a building would have two points of entry for fibre coming into different sides of the building. That way, if um, the local government or the borough or developer next door um, is doing works in the street and they go through the fibre, um, tenants have the ability to route internet through a redundant line. So it's about resilience. Um, it's also about security. So again, when people think of data security, they often think of cyber security. And while that's very important, so is the physical infrastructure and actually the, the security of that physical communications room. So it's about having um, the comms room being dedicated and secure, only the real right people have access. And again, that idea of diversity of the rises throughout the building. Um, and also it's about choice. So as a, as a business, if you're um, occupying a building that only has BT OpenReach, for example, providing service, um, that BT have monopoly over that building are likely to charge higher rates. So it's about choice of and competition of medium and service in the building as well. Good, thank you. Is there anyone, is there anyone else doing it, uh, Hamish? Um, so not, no, not at the moment. So we are the only um, certification scheme currently globally, um, which is obviously a great position, a great position to be in, but 
the, I think we create reasonably natural monopoly because the motivation for a secondary scheme is low because actually what people want is to be able to compare building to building rather than scheme to scheme. So if I was to take, if I wanted to move to an office in the West End, just so yes. everyone understands this, I can come onto your website, put in the details of the property, and it gives me the data around the connectivity of that building. Or does, oh, well, it might do, it might not do, but it so might So if do. the building's been certified, it will. Um, you'll be able, to, be able to download something called what we call the fact sheet, which essentially gives you the highlights of the building. Um, what, which providers are available there? Um, is there backup power, which is connected to connectivity? Is there fixed wireless technology on the roof? Um, everything to do with the building that is um, under connectivity will be, will be on that fact sheet. Um, but one of the ways that um, our clients, landlords, are, are using this is providing it to tenant rep brokers. Um, so when, when if, if an occupational um, requirement is over five, 10,000 square feet, usually they'll, they'll have a broker. And actually, then when a broker asks these questions, the landlord leasing agent is able to quickly provide all the information at the right time. And that's a, a real key part of what we um, offer within the industry is actually um, transparency. So when I first entered property i worked for cushion and wakefield and i was an occupier advisor and whenever i asked anyone, Sorry, who who, 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 was that? who did you work for <laughs> cushman and wakefield um and 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 whenever they still, I asked they, anyone, they still they're still going I, i'm not sure neil actually i haven't checked recently <laughs> um but whenever i'd ask questions of of landlords agents around connectivity the data just wasn't there so um we're providing transparency and objectivity into the wider market Okay. Okay, so here's the question. Have your landlords yet so your your tenants are using it to try and secure, I suppose, a tenant over in their building over another building? Yes, landlords are using it to, to, to drive value in the in the in the leasing market to let space. So what happens when um you do a you do a report for a, a client and the rating isn't very good? What do they do? So um, we only ever publicize the rating when the landlord has given us permission to do so because it's, it's their building and their data. So um, essentially, if the rating is poor, then they would not give us, the, they would not usually go public with that. But um, one, thing, one of the things that I'm particularly proud of is most of the buildings we work on, over two thirds, actually really improve as part of the service. So this is not um, a service whereby we tell you that your building is silver, and then don't work with you to improve that. That a key value to landlords is that's us providing um, the the things they could do to improve the building from a connectivity perspective, um, and then after they've undertaken that process, um, starting to promote that into the market. I mean, it sounds just like effectively almost an EPC for connectivity. I mean, you would have thought that uh, um, it they will become um, obliged to provide a certificate, won't they? I mean, I would yes. Have thought Yes, that, I mean, is, is it moving that way? In, 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 in a way, yes. So to give an example, um, uh, the City of London have um, included wire certification as, in, as part of their um, draft plan. So buildings that um, go for planning in the City of London will have to have a certification that looks at connectivity like wired score, because clearly they're not endorsing us as a business only, but something of the, along those lines. Um, and I think that uh, other boroughs will follow suit. 
um, as well. I mean, it's such an important thing for not just landlords, but also for, for cities in the UK as well to maintain competitive and attract the best talent. Um, connectivity really underpins that. Um, so I can see governments um, keeping a close eye on that. And actually, if you think about uh, Boris Johnson's speeches when he was um, becoming prime minister, there was a lot around connectivity and fiber. Uh, can I ask a question, Hamish? Of course. Hi, I'm Ollie. Um, do you or have you got any plans to aggregate the data and create any kind of some sort of index, a bit like MSCI do? So you can do it, you know, you can focus on an on a region of say five buildings but be anonymous with the data and then go city regions etc etc hi ollie yeah certainly we, we do it's not something we're currently doing but actually um well it's not something we're currently doing publicly what we do at the moment is um we can show trends to clients around where their building sits in comparison to a market so to give an example of that if you are developing a building in in uh, Manchester and you want to know um, how many providers on average landlords bring into their buildings and um, we, we, we can tell you that kind of information but um, as we grow into more cities and as more and more buildings um, certify I can certainly see that useful information being provided back to the market more generally. And you're, you're going country by country as well right? Yes. You're, you're in other countries so you could, you could expand that even further. Yeah, certainly. I mean, so far from, so we, as I said, we launched in America, then we came uh, to, to the UK and in 2017, we went into France, uh, Germany, and also Canada. And then last year, um, 2019, we, we moved into Australia and also the Netherlands. Um, and I can certainly see some very useful data being produced on how connectivity differs. But from initial findings, um, one thing that has, has struck me is actually the, the best in class connectivity from a building perspective is reasonably similar around the globe. Um, and that's okay. um, something which has really shone through. Thanks. No, no problem. Okay, I've got a question. Anyone can ask a question. Anyone watching can ask a question. They can just post it in the Zoom chat, can't they? Yep. In the same way that Marcus and David did and everyone else couldn't log on. So I was going to buy, I was going to change my, um, my home Wi-Fi to BT. And they said to me that we give you fast internet. And I said, what happens if the internet goes down? And they said, in the back of, the, back of it, there's a dongle. And you just take the dongle out and it's a, it's a cloud-based Wi-Fi system. So that if your home internet goes down, you just log on to watch Netflix, etc., through the dongle. Okay. Now, wouldn't you have thought that um, this is going to expand so that wireless connectivity is the next step of where we're going, perhaps? And therefore, we won't even need to be wired at home. Sort of. And if so, do you think that's likely? I mean, is that coming? Do you think? Um. So the short answer is um, we will always, well, in the foreseeable future, we'll always need fibre. Um, but you are correct, wireless technology is improving rapidly. So to give an example, um, we, we've all seen and heard a lot about 5G um, coming as well. Um, and that we expect to be a technology which will be more ubiquitous in the next two to three years um, once the infrastructure is in place. And that will bring about um, 
massive um, benefits to us as, as, as users. So for example, much better speeds, much lower latency, and, in, and importantly, much more capacities. The amount of things that can connect to the network will be, will be higher. Um, and while that's a wireless technology, um, actually, it's really only wireless the last point of that. So um, if you see any of the street furniture, which, which boosts signal, um, all that will have fiber connected to it. So actually, the more we rely on wireless technology for, for the last piece of delivery, the more we will need um, greater amount of fiber with, under the street, um, within street furniture, and certainly within our buildings as well. I see also somebody's asked the question if this is available for residential properties. Um, and if not, then do you think it might be going forward? Sorry, Daniel, I didn't quite catch the question. I, I see somebody in the chat has asked if this is available for residential properties. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, um, uh, good point. So we launched our build to rent certification um, last year. Um, and at the moment, that's only for um, larger build-to-rent um, developments um, rather than your, your household, um, so the houses, the terraced houses. So yes, it is available for, for flats that are in larger developments because um, they have infrastructure that can be really um, worked on by, by Wired School. And we can really help landlords deliver that best-in-class service for, for residential uh, tenants as well. Um, but certainly when we went to market before launching that product and spoke to people, um, actually the feedback we got from the majority of, of renters was that 85% of, of people had had connectivity issues um, in the um, very recent past. So it was certainly a problem that needed to be solved in that market as well. Um, I have a question. Um, how uh, do you see then the development of uh, smart buildings or smart cities? Um, because 5G is there the biggest uh, uh, runner, um, not the fiber, the 5G in order to get everything connected, Internet of Things or Internet of Everything. So how do you see that the development? Um, certainly. Um, so it's, it's something that I'm particularly excited about. Um, I, can, I can see that um, as we start to um, look at smart buildings before we get to smart cities, I can really see um, improvements in, in, in the quality of, of the user experience, how, how, we, how we interact with buildings. Um, but that said, um, there's a massive infrastructure challenge, I think, that comes before that, as, as you alluded to. So um, really, I don't see many smart buildings, truly, um, at the moment. So I think that it's going to be uh, quite a while before we get to, to um, more smart cities and driverless cars. And actually, before that, we need to concentrate on... Um, improving the, the coverage of fiber across, across the country. But I'm certainly excited to see um, some of the applications that will be possible when we reach that. Interesting. Hamish, isn't, um, isn't um, 5G is very high frequency, right? So it's, yes. it travels over a very short distance. So the, from what I've read, there's gonna be a lot of uh, infrastructure additions in order for it to be delivered so I think, I think people's expectations are probably a little high about the speed in which it will be delivered uniformly across the nation. Yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, you're, you're right, it operates at a higher frequency to 4G um, and due to that, it travels less far, but not only that, yeah. it's more readily interrupted by building materials, particularly glass 
um, and particularly if buildings are built to a sustainable standards like RIAM. And so what that does is while it controls the environment and makes the building more sustainable, it also um, reflects mobile signal. Um, so actually for, for, our, for the real estate industry, it's gonna bring about some, a real challenge in actually when um, 5G is, is more ubiquitous and we and tenants expect to be able to, to use that technology and you have office buildings not being able to, to bring signal in. Um, so it's a real challenge, it's something we're working closely with many of our clients um, to, to, to find solutions and actually at the moment, um, what we're talking to, to developers and landlords about is just having the right capacity within their buildings because when 5G does arrive, there will need to be solutions brought in and if you're building now, you want to have that, that space and capacity to be able to do that. Thanks. Hamish, was, was there the same challenge with 4G or was it a different altogether? Um, so it is the same challenge. It's just more acute. So, um, I mean, I've been in, as, as many of you will have been in many office buildings um, in, in London where you cannot get um, good quality 4G mobile signal. Um, so any buildings that have any issues now will have certainly much harder issues when 5G arrives. And even those that don't have issues now will start to have issues as well. So it's for our perspectives about warning uh, landlords and, and clients this is coming talking to them about um, the solutions that they can um, implement and also just understanding if they have issues so actually working with landlords to undertake radio frequency surveys so this doesn't come as a surprise down the line um, Hamish can I ask you as well another question um, how do you uh, make your data or your certification trusted do you use uh, your records for example uh, do you use blockchain in order to make it trusted or um, no so we're, we're, we're not using uh, blockchain at the moment and um, while I can see that that is a really interesting solution I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear more from from um, from the Singabel guys as well on, on how that's implemented but no at the moment um, it's all it's all hosted um, in, in the cloud okay what a brilliant lead into the next topic that is <laughs> fantastic right that's really interesting anybody can ask questions I think people can join the chat. If they want to join the chat, I can actually invite people in. Um, if they, I'm not quite sure how we do it, but I, I'll try and... Um, just while you're doing that, Neil, can I ask Hamish another question? Oh, go on then. Hi, Hamish. Hi, David. Um, you, you, you are an agent yourself. Um, and so the path that I think will, will give you most, um, most joy uh, would probably be to speak to agents and get them to put the rating on marketing particulars because I know from I've, I've dabbled in office agency as well um, it's probably the most important thing you know with the location and the spec of the building that yeah, certainly would be, that would be the most important thing if I'm moving a company of, of, of 50 to 100 staff in you know they're all going to be asking about connectivity yeah uh, and actually David you're completely right and, and um, a massive um, part of the reason that Wiredscore has been so successful since launching has been down to agents. So that we've been um, really endorsed by, by um, leasing agents um, around the world who have been talking to their to protected tenants and, and really putting that on marketing because you're correct. Um, the more studies that are done, so Savills most recently did a study on what workers want and the most important things and um, location was in there, but two of the top five were to do with connectivity, one being Wi-Fi and the other being mobile. So it, this is how we, we stay productive. Um, so yeah, you're completely right. Yeah. 
next topic. Very good. We can, anybody can come back. Any more questions? Hamish, fantastic. Uh, what I would say is if anybody wants to be put in touch with Hamish, just let us know. We'll put in direct touch. If you want your buildings rated, if you, um, I don't know, I actually haven't asked you how you make your money, but I'll leave you to, to deal with that accordingly. Let's move on to the next topic. Now we have two experts, apparently, actually three experts. Uh, if I include, should I include myself? Am I allowed to say I'm an expert? So apparently we have Jonathan Crossland, my good friend, who is the tech lead at Click to Purchase, Singerville Prop Tech Services, software architects, guru, etc. And Susanna, who I know very little about, other than I did a talk at a, law, a legal blockchain uh, event about a year ago, which was probably one of the most boring events I've ever been to, ever. Is that supposed to an illegal pro blockchain it, event? Honestly, <laughs> it was, I can't tell you how boring it was. Maybe the illegal oh. one to be better. Anyway, I, I couldn't tell you. And there was one person in the audience <laughs> who was, when I was talking, who was smiling at me. There's only one person, and it was Susanna. I actually I, listened. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was I, interested. I thought, hello. I thought, hello. <laughs> and, then, and then David said, my, um, my, my good wife is watching you. So there you are. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Susanna, actually, what, what's your involvement in um, the blockchain world, Susanna? Well, um, we are an advisory firm. And we, I would say, we bridge traditional, te uh, traditional industries with new technologies. Not only blockchain, as well, artificial intelligence, IoT, machine learning, deep learning. So uh, we try to bring the new technologies a little bit nearer to the traditional businesses. So starting with um, workshops, understanding, starting with C-level uh, management and going down to the middle management to understand how new technologies can disrupt their businesses. So this is basically what we do. We guide them and then if necessary as well, we go a step further and we implement uh, technologies like blockchain or we guide them how blockchain can help their businesses or how in artificial intelligence can help their businesses or both together. Because usually these new technologies don't come alone. Blockchain alone can't save all businesses, but blockchain with technology or with automation or robotics can help and move uh, new technologies further into the businesses. So this is what we do. Okay, so you're gonna be invaluable. Uh, Let's see. <laughs> can I, okay, so if what I'd like to do, everyone, if, if, no, if everyone is happy, I would like to do my simple guide to what blockchain is, mm -hmm. and then I'm gonna hand over to Jonathan, who is the brains. Is that a good, can I do that? Does anyone, does anyone mind? Is everyone happy? Go for it. Very happy. Now, you're going to watch the number of viewers either shoot up or shoot down now. <laughs> Look, I, I want, uh, the thing to do is to actually, I'm going to show everyone, I'm going to share my screen, because in order to do this, I want to show people what a hash, a hash calculator is. If you put in, this is very important, if you put in, um, Oh, I've just got it. If you put in a word into a hash generator, Jonathan, you're free to tell me where I've made a mistake. 
any time. But um, Just so a, 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 a hash calculator, a hash, it's an algorithm which converts an input into a unique output script. With the slightest change of the input which changes the output. So you've got here, I put in hello, and it says 5891B5B. It's a unique string representing the input of hello. If you change it by the very slightest amount, if I say a full stop on the end, just something as simple as that, you'll see the whole line changes completely. So the key point about a hash generator is you pour in data, you could put an encyclopedia, you know, look, you could put, you could do something like this. You could put, uh, you know, hello, look, you put a whole long, a whole long line, you create the hash, seven, six B, you put, uh, put one extra letter on the end, put an exclamation mark, and it changes the output completely. So that's what a hash generator is. Now, my, the way I like to try and describe blockchain to people in very simplistic terms is this. Imagine 10 pieces of data in a row, a word file, a music file, a, a, um, a PDF, anything, any 10 pieces of data in a line. Imagine that one, the piece of data on number one is poured through a funnel, this funnel being the hash generator, and the output that comes out is a unique string relating to the input of that particular piece of information. And imagine that's happening with every piece of data along the way. Now, the key point is that if any input changes, by the slightest margin, which I've just shown you, the output therefore changes. So this has happened 10 times in a row. And imagine 10 of these pieces of data poured through their funnels are pushed together into one block. And then that block is then poured through a funnel itself. So, and it's got a unique string of information out. And what that means is, is that any change of the data along the top will change the ultimate output. Now imagine that output, that block, scrunching together the 10 pieces of data is block one in another line. And that line has got another nine other pieces of data, another music file, another word file, another PDF, etc. And each one gets poured through a block each has a unique output. Each gets, they get scrunched together into another block, which goes below the first block. You get a block upon block upon block. You have a blockchain. Now, the, the point about blockchain technology, therefore, is that any piece of data, slightly in the tiniest way changed, changes the output at the end of the day. So therefore, the theory is it's so difficult to um, maintain the output in this existing state given a tiniest change to any piece of data, change the output, it's an impossible thing to do in theory. That's the first concept of blockchain technology. The second thing is it happens on multiple machines all around the world in theory. So therefore you have to change not only one pillar of data, you've got to do it exactly the same time throughout the world on machines replicating the data. The idea being it's impossible and therefore blockchain technology is a very secure way or storing data because the tiniest change flags a red flag up and actually will um, uh, change the output. And that's what, oh, Aubrey's students raised his hand. Aubrey got a question? And, the, the, and the, the point about it is that therefore it makes the whole thing very secure. That I believe, Jonathan, that's how I try and explain it to people as opposed, mm. I sort of wake them up. I certainly wake them up at that conference where I met Susanna. So that's really how, how, how um, I, like to, I like to explain what blockchain is. And you and, and the other people who can, just to give some background, Jonathan, about three years ago, I think it was, said to me one day, I want to introduce you to this thing called blockchain. 
took me about three, I don't know, took me about a month, two months to get my head around it. And then I said, let's do it. And then we added it on to our business of click to purchase. Um, and the key, I think, is in relation to what Susanna just said, it didn't change our business. We already had a business using encryption and hash technology, and this added an extra layer to it. So that's, that's really, um, and for all of you out there, if I can actually, can I just take this one opportunity and I'm going to pass it to Jonathan. Click to purchase is a way, of course, everyone knows now who, who, who listens to our show, is a way where you can exchange contracts online uniquely in, in buying and selling property. And we've now done something like 250 million, although it sounds much better to say a quarter of a billion, doesn't it? Quarter of a billion, it's much better than 250 million. So we've done a quarter of a billion pounds worth of property sales where they've been executed online now by click to purchase technology. We are offering the software for free during the crisis just to help people do deals. If you've got a building that you're selling or you intend to sell and you would like to use our technology, it would be our pleasure to supply it for free, no obligation to use afterwards. If it helps you do some deals and helps you bring in some business and it helps save someone's job, good luck to you. So if, it's, if you are interested, then please contact me afterwards. Um, Good luck to you. Now, I'm going to hand over to the brains. Jonathan, Jonathan's the brains. Hi, Hi everyone. Hi. Hi. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what do I do from that? I, I don't want to go technical, although we could go deeper. I, I don't think that's really the way to go. I, I think when everybody talks about blockchain, it's, it's one of those things that you, um, you get sick of very quickly because people repeat the same things again and again. So I'm not going to do that. Um, firstly, I'm just going to introduce myself. Um, I'm a software architect. I've written seven books on programming. Um, I have a small team. Um, we develop software mainly concentrating on where the productivity points are. So we, we draw the end user into your business and help you on the back end uh, and how to communicate with your end user. So that's RPA, Robotic Process Automation. We, we've also done an AI thing. We've done blockchain. But most of the, the stuff we do is just real code, everyday stuff, uh, dealing with document management and you know, whatever you need from website to backend to databases. So blockchain is just a piece of technology that is part of a solution. It's not a solution for everything, but it is something that is there. It's in our toolbox. The thing at the moment is that blockchain is is gotten bad press. Um, people like Jamie Dimon from JP Morgan, you know, bad mouths Bitcoin, Bitcoin falls, um, then they bring out their own coin. Okay, so <laughs> there's a game being played, right? So there's a lot of that stuff. So it's very difficult for businesses to, to sort of grasp and, and get into the difficult technical concepts, but then also understand is this good for my business and how is it going to translate into my business? Is it going to you know, be a waste of money? Is, is it going to make me more productive? How is it going to benefit us? Right? So now there's a lot of noise out there. So how do you actually understand that this is a good thing? So together with Neil, we, we offer consulting to tell you where these things, where the good points are, what to avoid, um, what you really do need. There is a nugget of absolute brilliance within blockchain and you need it but it's a difficult sell right now. The thing is, um, in terms of productivity, uh, in terms of the property market, we're seeing trends like liquidity. Uh, we have to increase liquidity. We have to consolidate our tools. We have to be more automated. And this is all just making the property sale go quicker. People are impatient, right? The next generation, they don't want to wait 20 days, right? You want the property next week. 
at best, right? Or maybe tomorrow. And, and all of these technologies, even with the current crisis now, working from home, um, all of these kind of things are all leading and pushing the cloud, pushing process, pushing productivity. So, okay, so for, for us, Neil and I, we're just offering consulting to show you how that works. My day-to-day -day job is building such solutions. So with Click2Purchase, um, we built, we didn't take the holy grail of what blockchain is and create a public set of nodes for everyone to join because we felt that that would be crippled by all the bad press and everything like that. So what we chose to do is create an internal permissioned blockchain. We invited, and nobody has taken the offer yet, it's still open, anyone can join, you'll get instruction, you'll be guided, you'll be brought into it, you'll have a node, um, we'll teach you how to use it, we'll teach you the benefits of that. The benefits of the blockchain, just in short, quick sort of succession, is that if you want to prove your legal standing, if you want that order trail to exist, if you want to have the chain embedded in something that cannot be altered, um, this is where blockchain comes in. So we offer that solution um, as day-to-day as, uh, -day business. We offer all kinds of productivity software. But we do think that click-to-purchase is onto something. Uh, we take property that would traditionally be two, three weeks, and we can do it in five days. Right? This is something that's quick and simple. You put this together with a good marketing engine, uh, some remote process automation, and you put that together with some blockchain and accountability and all the other, and you're looking at a 14-day cycle or less. And this is something that is going to happen in the industry. So um, I invite anyone to, to have a chat. And, and right now you can ask any questions about it, but um, I invite you to, to talk to us about how we can sort of see how you can fit in there. Um, the game is changing. That, that's that's all I wanted to say. Thanks, everyone. No, can can I um, can I? Uh, there's there's a point about blockchain actually that I would like to make, and um, you met you touched on it there actually. Um, three two years ago, we were probably at the pinnacle of the hype around blockchain, weren't we? Everybody was raising money. There was what's known as ICOs to raise money being offered. There was consultancy services being offered. The whole thing got, everyone was talking about it transforming everything tomorrow. It was all gonna to happen tomorrow. Put blockchain on the front of your business and you, and you would actually raise money uh, tomorrow. Now, interestingly enough, there were plenty of businesses that actually did raise money and raised a lot of money. Um, I'd like to show you, I'd like to show everybody something again because um to show you what what's what has happened i think in in the um how do i drag this thing out of the way okay this thing out of the way okay put it over here i'd just like so, to add before you carry on quickly okay is that while everyone like you've mentioned the whole ico and that that movement while everyone was looking for funding and talking about how they're going to change the property industry neil and i did it right so we've got a blockchain contracts are exchanged they're in a blockchain um, and a lot of people are, are going around saying we're going to do it and we need money to go and do it. It already exists. I, d I just wanted to add that nice yeah. thing. Yes, that's good. <laughs> yes. But what, what, what's interesting is this. So a couple of years ago, everyone was, was getting hyped up about it. Remember, there was an article. This was an article. Where was it? This is Bitcoin. This is talking about how 
Chicago, Cook County was going to test blockchain to do title transfers in America. Lots of interest, all right? Lots of interest. Then there was, um, here's this one called BlockScore. So BlockScore was, was going to, is one of these businesses that was going to transfer things, transform the whole world again. Look, we're award-winning team. I don't, I hope anyone's there. I'm, I, don't, I must, be, must be careful what I say in case I say something I shouldn't. Anyway, it's going to change the world. Blockchain's going to change the world. Are we fantastic? Give us money, give us money. If you, if you go down to where they've got to, their timeline, their timeline started in 2018, da, 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 and it's, it stopped. Stopped in February 2019. There was another, there was another um, the International Blockchain Real Estate Association, all over LinkedIn like crazy. I used to get messages from them all the time. I don't know what's happened to that. Maybe you, you know, Susanna. Swiss Real. They, they're still around. There's chapters everywhere. Oh, yeah. um, Swiss, they're promoting. Are they? Swiss, Swiss, I'm not trying to knock out everyone. I'm just trying to show people what's happened, the hype. Swiss Real, one of these cups again. We're going to change the world. We're going to fractional ownership using blockchain. Look at this. Despite the enormous market interest, we're sorry to say we're on hold. So what happened? I think a lot of these people got into the whole deeds office. You know, they get, they get caught into that whole, it must do the whole game to have sort of success. And, and the truth is, it doesn't need the entire picture. You can yeah, have just the Yeah. And there was the no. company, there was the company in um, Sweden who was wanted to do the whole process of buying and selling property, start to finish, put it into a blockchain-based uh, business and launch it. But it's just, it, we, Jonathan and I thought it's never gonna, it's gonna take years and it's years. It's complex thing. Yeah, well, it's gonna take. Ma maybe I can, I can dig a little bit there. Yes, um, of course. It's, it's not only, um, I think we have to separate a little bit the, the hype uh, with blockchain. Blockchain is not only cryptocurrency, there are a lot of protocols um, outside the cryptocurrency, a lot of protocols that don't need token, for example, uh, the automobile industry. Um, the automation of cars um, have an underlying blockchain, which is the protocol R3 Corda, uh, where uh, Mercedes and uh, BMW and all the big players are already working on it. So um, these, are, um, th these can be private or public blockchains. It depends always on the industry permission or permission and permissionless uh, blockchain. It always depends which industry you are in. Uh, what, what's the goal to have the blockchain? The blockchain is something that is behind the scenes. It's not something that should be seen all the time. It's a storage of, of data and uh, you need to know who do you want to give permission to see these data and uh, who are your stakeholders and you need to be connected and, uh, with your stakeholders. These stakeholders need to be empowered. It doesn't bring nothing. If, for example, in a supply chain, uh, a big player has a blockchain. If the little ones who, for example, pick the olives uh, in order to make olive oil, the ones who pick the olives don't use the blockchain. So all the stakeholders in one chain have to be empowered. So obviously it takes time and eventually we will get there as well in the property uh, market or in the real estate market. Um, we are members as well for, um, in the APPG, an all-party uh, parliamentary group uh, in the UK Parliament. And uh, we are founding members of INATBA, that's the International Association for Trusted Blockchain Applications. We have working groups there where we are working in each of the industries, 
how can blockchain benefit, but always behind the scene, not a hype, not to make a quick buck, not to make big money uh, tomorrow or something like this, only to make processes trustworthy and uh, smoother and better in time. Um, healthcare is a very, very, very um, big player uh, where blockchain can help. But again, as well in the real estate industry, land registry, for example, is a, a very big thing that uh, the government is working on it. And um, well, we don't know when it will be finished, but um, all the land registers will be on the blockchain. Um, we have as well, for example, uh, tokenization of assets. You have buildings, you can tokenize, you can give uh, smaller retailers as well uh, a piece of the pie. So there are many different ways how blockchain can help, but it should be separated to the hype of Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, of course. Does it go because, up? Yeah, does yeah, it go down? Will I pay with Bitcoin or not? Because uh, this is the fintech, uh, the financial part of blockchain. The banks are working on it and the banks will not let their power go in order that everyone is empowered and the banks are not empowered anymore. But it needs to be um, regulated. I know that everyone says blockchain has to be not regulated and uh, the, the very puristic don't want regulations, but at the end of the day, in order that the ecosystem functions, it needs to be a certain regulation. So it needs to be regulated and uh, there will not be as well one protocol or one blockchain to rule them all. It will not exist because you need to know which protocol and which blockchain you will need for this industry. And um, uh, it will be industry. Yeah. If I could cut in there, I, I, I disagree with, with two things that you've said. The rest is good, so that's good. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> but it's good that we can debate. Yeah. The, the, the first thing is that the sort of notion that people have to implement blockchain across the entire supply chain. I, I think that is a misnomer. I, I think um, you can get a lot of benefits, let's say in the property industry, by auditing, uh, in your auditing process, across a partnership. Just two businesses in a partnership can share data in a, in a permission blockchain that they both share and they can track things and they can have benefit in that. And there is, there is no larger supply chain. So, so the first thing is, I think that's just one example, but there are many examples of smaller uh, isolated versions of the blockchain that can be employed to benefit two or more parties. I think you do need two or more parties, but not the entire supply chain. It depends I think which also, supply chain. There is where it depends which supply chain. Um, I said um, on purpose the supply chain mm. with uh, who is picking the olive, and at the end, the, uh, at the end on the other end is the customer who is having the, the olive oil. So there, for example, the customer would like to know which source your olive oil. As an example, well, is this in the food industry? Is a different thing. That that's why I say every industry has to um, see where blockchain can benefit. Blockchain is a tool who uh, will benefit the industry, who will not change maybe everything in the industry, but will help to change certain matters of the industry and will help matters like automation, robotics, uh, to make it smoother, to make it quicker. We see now, for example, with this pandemic, um, that the healthcare systems are completely broken in certain countries where the pandemic is very, very, very harsh. And uh, you can't even trace where the medical material is coming from. Um, for example, a blockchain would help there to track. 
uh, and to be trusted and to have trusted data because like Neil uh, explained very nicely before, the, the, uh, the trusted data is very, very, very important in order to have this accuracy and this timeline as well. It, everything goes much quicker. All the transactions, depending on the protocol, can be only seconds. For example, just an instant, Banco Santander, one of the biggest banks, are making transactions from uh, the UK uh, overseas in seconds. They're using, this is a piloting, they're using blockchain in seconds. Of course, only between the same bank, because the banks are still not in one ecosystem. Eventually, they will get there. But to have a transaction in seconds, at the moment, is Western Union. <laughs> but... To have this transaction in seconds is really, um, it, it's really mind-blowing instead of waiting two, three days where we don't know what the banks are doing with the money two, three days in order to get the money over abroad. So, Susanna, can I, can I, I like your, I like your olive picking analogy there because the, <laughs> I wrote a blog probably two or three years ago on blockchain when it was big and I discovered that the marijuana industry in America was a massive user of blockchain for their supply chain, which I thought was very interesting. The company that published um, my blog missed that paragraph out because it was a legal company and they didn't feel comfortable talking about marijuana, but that's- uh, It's getting um, more legal. It's getting more well, legal. It but as now, well, I think the yeah. Mariana industry uh, was very big uh, in blockchain because a lot of people play, uh, paid with Bitcoins uh, time ago. Oh, okay, uh, interesting. The, 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 so, <laughs> Is the blockchain for the supply chain or is the blockchain for paying the things that uh, you don't want to be known that you're paying for? Yeah, from what I read, it was the supply chain because it was, it was Denver uh, in particular who were the first state to legalize it. Yes. So it, so it was legitimate. But just what I find interesting about blockchain is that it's, there's been so much interest about it. So TCPIP, for example, the protocol that the internet is based on, didn't get any publicity at all that I remember. Yet it's, you know, a hundred percent more impacting on our lives, but no one ever talked about that. And it's really interesting as to why blockchain, you know, who started the hype about blockchain? Bitcoin. You see, the thing is, it's actually this Maybe. whole supply chain thing. This is the thing that I took, uh, pointed out that I don't think is, is the right way to approach this and everybody's doing it. Um, yes, there is a need to track supply chain. It's not the only application. I think the talk of blockchain in the start to end of a process is what's actually holding it back. Because in that case, you have to get all the parties involved. You have to get government. You have to get legal. You have to get everyone in. And that's what's happening now. You've just got chapters, people talking, committees, uh, things just travel around. The technology has been there 10 years ago. Right. And every year we add on to it off chain things and other types of things to make it quicker and, and so on. But the technology has been around for a decade and people are keep people are just talking about the holy grail of how this can be implemented. To me, another approach is needed. I think it, it's there pragmatically in the property industry. If we take it just in the property industry as an example, um, if you need to upload a document and you do so on your cloud system, in your document management system. And then you'd go to a solicitor and you have to share it with them. And then they share things with you. And everybody's got copies of copies of copies of these things. 
This is a real pragmatic thing that everyone suffers and goes through every, every day. If we can solve this with a blockchain technology, if you have a business to business, let's say we're gonna do KYC, and there's a partnership between two businesses, and they have to do their own KYC, and the first, so A and B both do their own, and it's double work for the user. We can streamline that and make sure that the data for the KYC is trusted from A to B, from A to B to C, and we can expand from there. So my point about the blockchain solution is, is just a practical one. It's very, very easy to get caught up in the hype of the holy grail, and I believe in it. I, I believe in the, the public space of blockchain. I, I think that's where it should be. But I think that we're missing out on real, everyday, pragmatic things. Neil and I have proven that we can take blockchain technology as it was four years ago and build something that has an audited data anchoring process where a developer such as myself can't go into the back end and modify a date or a, or a sale date or a you know, signed contract date. I can't ch change that. It's unalterable, right? It's immutable. So in that case, simplistically, the blockchain can be used today incredibly cheaply, right? Blockchain technology is open source. We can use it today between two or more partners. And I think there is a, a definite space for committees to get together and think of the Holy Grail and do the deeds office and revolutionize that. But that's 10 years away. That, that's a long process. I, I think it's, it, we're stopping everyday evolution. Um, we can be using this today. Well, I, I believe we don't stop everyday evolutions but, um, because the pandemic makes us be quicker. Let's move well on now. to the next topic. Come on, it's two yeah. o'clock. Let's, 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 let's oh. keep it going. Let's keep it light. Right. I want to, thank you very much. Look, let's move away from blockchain. Right. Let's talk, I want to change topic. I thought it would be very interesting to, for everyone to um, pipe in thoughts on how the crisis is change, could change our industry. Because all of a sudden, everyone's being forced to work from home. The way we actually go about our occupation could well change. Will it change our future occupation? Will I can talk, I'd like to talk about a few PR own goals that I've um, that have come across in the last few weeks. But I think it's very interesting. There will be that this is the most. I hope this is the biggest um, event in our lifetimes. This, in my opinion, the the uh, the crisis make, is is far more significant than 9-11. And I think this is, and hopefully there'll be nothing to match this going forward. Because the only thing I can think of bigger than this would be a nuclear war. So hopefully that's not gonna happen. So I think this is a very, very significant point in our, in our lives. So I, I, think it's gonna, I think when we come out the other side, it's gonna be different. We're not, we're not gonna go back to normal. And, and it's my, that's my personal view. And I thought it'd be interesting to for everyone to give their opinions about what's going to happen. Um, I mean, the first thing is, is look, everyone's working at home. Um, and is it difficult? Is it easy? Is, are, we gonna, are we all going to go back to our office buildings? So there you go. I'm going to throw that open. Can I, can I just jump in quickly? Because I think this is a really interesting topic. I've seen quite a few um, things on Twitter or on other social media, LinkedIn, about the death of the office, and I, um, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that while this will certainly impact 
long term. I think the office will still be have a have a major part in in, in business. Personally, I think that people will certainly modify their habits and maybe a higher percentage of people will work from home for a higher percentage of the time because this experiment that we've been forced to take will prove that it's viable and actually it won't just be um, people um, with children or other people um, that need to work from home doing it one day a week it will be more widespread and i think that businesses as a as a result of that will maybe occupy office buildings more efficiently so at the moment we all occupy offices incredibly uh, inefficiently we have more space than we actually need and more space than um that accounts for um sorry less people in the office at one time so i can see people being more efficient off the back of this now they understand that working from home is viable for for, for different people in their business but i still think the office will have a major part to play I completely agree with that. I, I can see that as the way forward, definitely. So my friend who's a lawyer said to me the other day, he said, he said, so what they're doing is they're having team Zoom meetings. Um, team A speaks at nine o'clock, team B speaks at 10 o'clock, team C speaks at 11 o'clock. So why can't team A use the office on a Monday, team B use the office on a Tuesday and team C use it on a way. And so, so what you've done is you've actually got true hot desking. I mean, yeah. lawyers, you know, bless them. You go to their office. They're still, I think they're the only people who still use paper They're, you know, they've got piles up coming up to the ceiling, but either they need a very big bag or they need to um, stop using paper. But it, it means that you need, a, you need two thirds less office space. And it's, it's very interesting. So I, I personally, I think it is going to change things. I, I think it's, I think it's going to change. I've actually, look, I'm going to show you how clever we are. Let's keep everyone interested. Let's do a, should we do a poll? Let's do this. Let's see if I can make this work. Let's do a poll. How, here we go. I'm going to launch a poll, everyone. Are you ready? Let's see if this works. Tell me if you can see that. Can you see that? Can everyone see that? Yeah. Okay. So how easy has it been to work from home? Let's see. Come on, everyone. Let's get voting. Come on. Let's get voting. I can have another drink whilst you're we voting. We can't vote because we're pan Host and panelists. Panelists can't vote. Well, that's okay. Oh, can't you? Okay. Well, don't worry no, about but, it. But the answer's oh. very easy. <laughs> yeah, mine's very easy. Very easy. Oh, you can't vote. I must have set it up wrong. Oh. Well, I could probably try and change it quickly so for the we, next one. We okay. shouldn't be influencing the results. Exactly. This might be fixed. It's open to, to participants. Can you see? Can you actually see, though? Um, can you actually see at the moment um, the results coming up, everyone? No. No? Okay, I'm going to give it another couple of seconds. Come on! We've we, had... can see the, we can see the questions. Okay, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to end I'm going to end the poll. And I think I can... Let's have a look here. I can end the poll, and I'm going to share the results. Right, share the result. Let's see now. Can you see that? Yeah. Okay. So look. Very okay. easy. Oh, good. So Richard Richard Potter has voted. So that's good. That's good to know. <laughs> okay. So look, nearly seventy percent of people said it's easy or been very easy. So actually, you know, you would have thought that people would have found it quite difficult to adapt to working from home. I I think the social interaction is the is the thing that is difficult to manage. The actual work, I've been as bu I mean, I've, I, my, I've been really quite busy actually. I get interrupted all the time. It's very hard to concentrate, but 
the thing you do miss is this sort of interaction with um, um, with with your staff. So, the, so I've, the, can I say does something? Anyone not have, sorry, go on. Uh, sorry, just one quick question. Does anyone yeah. not have publicly cloud-based document management? Is anything difficult in that regard? I mean, the people that said it was difficult to work from home, is any of it technology or is it just at home being at home? I don't know if anybody wants to. David Tupian, David Tupian, how difficult do you find it working from home? Because I know you get distracted all the time by your family. You were moaning about them to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's all right, but I miss, to be honest with you, I miss, I miss walking about the West End. That's what I miss most. Because you look at buildings, you pop in, speak to clients, stuff like that. That, for me, is what I miss most. And I don't think that's ever going to change. Um, that's actually, I'm going to, that's actually leads me to um, um, another, oh, someone's answered a question. Very poor internet. I didn't see that before. I'm going to, that leads me to another poll. Shall I do another poll? How do I start? Well, Jonathan Curran's asked a question in there. Can you question from now. Yes, yeah, so just a from, uh, statement from Jonathan Corrin that he understands Regis, uh, the shares in Regis have dropped by approximately 15, uh, 50%. So, okay, I've got a view, but I'm very, well, I'm, I've got a view, but let someone else uh, comment on that. For those of you who don't know, we actually, Singer, we actually use serviced offices in London at the moment. I think, David, you use them? Ollie, I think you use them. So do I use them, yeah. Um, so shares in Regis have dropped 50%. So I, I think that while I think it'll be a temporary shock for, for the serviced office market, I think that tenants in general have kind of voted and shown that this type of flexibility is, is really valued. If you think about the barriers to growth um, for a business, real estate has always been one. Um, so I think that the service market provides something which um, you small businesses need and I still think they will need that after this what we all hope to be a temporary shock um, has, has passed. So you think that would still have there still be a demand for service offices? Yeah certainly. I, I would agree I'm not sure they'll be in exactly the same format as they are there'll probably be less less workstations and more places to meet collaborate exchange ideas etc etc because you don't need to be you know at a desk at a computer in a serviced office you can do it at home or you can do it anywhere in a cafe um, um, i think that the format will change i mean the format's already changing but this is probably going to make it change quicker yeah, I agree. Well, my 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 um, personal view. It, I, I I don't want to knock my um, um, my my current serviced office provider, but I think there's an there's we we've been in serviced office for some years now, and it's interesting. You're back sort of ten years. It was you you were regarded as not being a very strong business because you couldn't take your own lease. We went into serviced offices what Dale five years ago, five years probably. And there was only really one quality building in the West End that suited us. When we moved six months ago, there were so many buildings to choose from. There were, I mean, that we were spot for choice. And um, my view now, though, is that 
actually, even though we saved money moving, actually it's too expensive now. And, and I, I think that serviced offices are going to be, you're right, I think they'll change. I mean, Ollie, in many ways, I think that it could be that they're all club type arrangements rather than actually office arrangements. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the office arrangements, they're averaging at about a thousand pounds per desk per month. And if you've, right. got, if you've got, you know, five, six people, that's really expensive. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think the club, the club model is much cheaper. It's, it offers much more flexibility. You can plonk yourself down at a desk and work. And a lot of people do it with headphones because they don't want to be disturbed. Or and you can use their, their facilities where you can meet and chat and collaborate and exchange ideas, etc. Something else to throw into the mix, I was speaking to an office agent yesterday who said over the next three to six months, there'll be lots of lease events, people leases expiring or break options that are coming up and companies will have a real issue about whether they exercise a break option because, you know, they yeah. might actually have to decide we can't exercise our break because we won't be able to go anywhere else in this, in this period and they'll be tagged in for another five years. So, um, you know, it might be that people end up having to stay in offices that they don't actually want to be in. I mean, nowadays, I don't know why any small company would look to take a tra traditional lease where you've got your rent, rate, service, you have to sort out your own internet, phone lines. But I mean, it's, it's a nightmare, um, not to mention needing to stay on for longer. Um, you know, with the serviced office model. Yeah, but that, that's small companies, Daniel, but there are plenty of companies who still, still take what we would call traditional leases. I mean, I agree. I mean, I think a traditional lease is so... So landlord um, waited. It's it's crazy, but I mean, there, there still is a big market out there, and uh, I mean, even big companies now are taking uh, taking yeah, space. Yeah, yeah. There's no question. There's no question that the the large companies, first of all, actually, I think they are changing the way they take leases now. They actually take them direct from providers, and some you know a large accountancy firm who may not have wanted to take fifty desks in a building will very happy to take fifty desks in a building now rather than sign a lease. The second thing is these big companies, they must surely be questioning how many staff they need in their office in, the, in their town. They must. It doesn't make any sense otherwise. So I'm going to look, I've got another question ready. Look, I like my, I like my little polls. Let's try another question. How about this one? Um, uh, yeah, I think this is, this is quite a good one. Right. Can you see that everyone? Okay. Do you feel that being forced to work remotely could result in you changing your office environment once the crisis has passed? Come on, let's get voting. Look, well, the, votes, well, are, the votes are flying in. They're flying in. When everyone's voting on that, I'm just going to go back to David's point, which I thought was really valid um, about walking around town and, you know, sort of seeing people. So I've been working from home off and on for a long time. And I also miss being in town. But I go into town when I have a meeting. And if I don't have a meeting, I don't go into the West End. When I do go into the West End, I'll have two or three meetings. And I enjoy walking around as well. And that's the time where I will use the club part of the serviced office. The nearest office I'll go and work in because there's no point in me going home. I'll just work in between meetings. So you, you, have a, you, know, you have a blend between the working from home and the being in town 
which then goes to Neil's point, and he's there on my screen, is that you um, you can you can drop in, you know, in the in a sort of club membership style. So you don't need that fixed place where you go back to every day. And commuting, you know, when you take out commuting, you're going to get two hours a day of extra work time. Yeah. And the cost savings is huge. And the cost savings huge. Exactly. Is it going to change technology? I mean, are you guys going to upgrade, uh, get uh, surfaces, Microsoft surfaces or other types of pads or... Is what you've got all all good enough? Yes, the answer is yes. I've already good started. I've, I've already I've already made the call. Okay. The, the, yeah, the surfaces are great, but they've only got one USB port, or well, the one I had anyway. <laughs> so look at this. Look at this. Forty-seven percent said fairly likely. Can you see that, everyone? And eleven percent said highly likely. So. Look, over over what nearly 60% of people think that this is going to make them change potentially their view about where they work. And I, I think, look, I, I did have a question, which was, is it still important to be located in town? But I think we've already discussed that. But I've, I've got one other, one other um, poll, which I actually I'd like to throw open because I think this is, um, I think this is quite a good one. And I think this actually is interesting as well. So here we go. Let's get people answering. So what is your preferred choice of interacting with people? Because mine's lunch. Austin Club. I'm, I'm not allowed to vote, but mine is lunch, definitely. Is there, oh, there is lunch. You yeah. see, yeah, I'll tell you why. I think, I, think, I think it's quite an interesting one to see what happens here because um, as a, as a, a business, what we've been doing for some time is when we try and arrange to see a client, imagine we've got to go and see someone in the city, but go get the tube, go across the city, have a chat, la, da, 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 get in the tube, come back. It's a two hour round trip, right? Two hour round trip. If you have a phone call, it's not as effective because you can't see, you know, you, you can't interact. A video call, which we're all on now is probably, is a very effective way of talking to people. So we like to try and encourage people to do video chats with us, video conversations. And actually, um, I, I find it personally a very, very good way of, um, uh, of interacting. It saves so much time and you can be as effective as if you actually have a coffee meeting. I mean, have a cup of coffee in your hand. What's the big yeah, Neil, would you rather pitch for an instruction on, on, on this type of thing or face-to-face -face over a coffee? It would depend. I can't believe you're even thinking about it. Um, I honestly don't think it makes any difference. Really? I disagree with you. I, I think I disagree as well. I'm a software developer. Oh. Oh. Sorry, Jonathan, we've lost your lines. Not great. Jonathan? Hello? Hi. Yeah, your line's, a bit, your line's gone a bit strange. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm in Cape Town. Oh, yeah, he's in Cape Town, yeah. I think yeah, I, 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 I do these remote things all the time, but this is how I work. You sound like a Dalek. I'm afraid you sound like a Dalek. <laughs> oh, sorry about that, Jonathan. I, I'll tell you why I say that, David. Our, well, our business is a bit unusual in that it's very, everything's online. So when we, when we demonstrate things to people, we demonstrate it online. Fair enough, yeah. 
So um, I'm, I'm sure you'll agree. There's nothing like the old, the old school way of building a rapport with a client, finding things in common, talking about other stuff, being face to face. That interaction for me is invaluable. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I agree. And the the so the the video. If you're going to do anything, then video is good because of the non-verbal communication element to a yeah. conversation, which. I've heard many variances in percentages, but even if it's as low as 20%, it's still a big chunk of the communication. I've heard it's much higher. Um, I think they are very good uh, additional um, sort of methods, but I wouldn't like it to be the only one. If it was, then why go into the West End at all or go into the city at all or have an office or anything like that? You, there is no substitute for face-to-face. -face. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And okay. One other thing, I, I couldn't for some I couldn't um, I couldn't vote on the poll. I don't know. I must have I must have set it up wrong. Actually, I would have I would have voted for WhatsApp because in my particular well, the, my speciality, as you know, is leisure, retail and leisure lettings that Daniel used to be involved in. Um, and I think Daniel, when you were when you were involved. Um, working at Stephen and Stephen Kane. I'm not yep. sure. What, did you have WhatsApp at that time? Yes. And was it and, prevalent? Uh, was it prevalent? Yeah, I, I would, it, we would use WhatsApp to talk to our clients more than email. Or yeah. I mean, I would only yeah. really email a client if it was so, if I needed it. So now Neil knows this because I've shown him. Um, I'm, I'm part of two groups. So one is a retail group, and the other one is purely leisure. And there's about 250 agents on each one so hamish if you need any help I'm, i'll be delighted to promote what you're doing um so literally within seconds i can market whatever i've got via a pdf on whatsapp and that to me is invaluable it's an unbelievable thing that i'll always be grateful for whereas in the old days we were using bloody fax machines you know so it's just it's just gone bananas I think people also react to their WhatsApp more than they do email. It seems crazy to say it, but it's yeah, true. They do. And it's more personal. You're more likely to get a response from a WhatsApp within yeah, yeah. a very short space of time. I think it depends who you're, who you're contacting. Because if you were to contact a new client via WhatsApp, it's probably a bit too personal. It drives me mad, actually. I've got to be honest with you, WhatsApp drives me nuts. Bling, 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 and I did the. Apparently, I did, uh, I did uh, a very naughty you to, thing. You need to mute. Yes, well, I did a very naughty thing. My children were were horrified that I left the group, because apparently that's it, everyone could see Neil's left the group, and apparently it's a real no. -no. That's taboo. Yeah, so I was a bit naughty, but I just it was driving me nuts, honestly. I mean, uh, so I have learned. I have learned. Anyway, look at this crisis. Let's have a bit, if we can, it is, let's, we should sort of put a bit of a cheer. I know it's very difficult what's going on. It's very sad. But um, what's interesting on this poll is clearly the people watching us are not 18 because um, there's no WhatsApp votes. So obviously we have a very old audience watching us, that's for sure. So um, <laughs> can I talk about PR own goals? Who's got a PR own goal from this current crisis that we can share with the audience? I mean... Sports it Direct. It doesn't have to be property. It can be anyone. Sports Direct. And what did they do? Well, they 
firstly they kept all their stores open until well i don't know when it was like yesterday or the day before within the last few days and they then hiked up all the prices on their household items <laughs> and um i've seen i don't know if you've seen today that mike actually has come out with a a profuse apology um about how they've behaved I think I know why he. I was thinking about that yesterday, Dale, and I think I know why he's he's done that, because he he thinks they're going to go tits up anyway. Shortly, so it may as well cash in. Why does he think? Why does he think that? Um, where do you hear that, you that from? Because, because he's a he's a he's got a whole load of shops paying a ridiculous amount of rent, plus rates, plus staff. And they're now going to need to be shut for the next three, four months. And so he was, he was under a lot of pressure before this. And I think it will tip him over the edge. Maybe. Surely, if he does... He bought, Deben he bought Debenhams or House of Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a successful... Oh. Uh, who can start sharing? Has anyone got another story? You can share. Didn't we have? Wasn't there a PR own goal with one of the uh, property portals? Was it right move? Right move. Right move. Loads of agents have left them. Yeah. Yeah. So right move did. They did the sort of thing. Um, yeah. They what they did is they announced last week that they were going to drop the monthly charges by seventy five percent, and in return. Uh, so you'd have to pay for three months, but you had to pay it back in three months' time. So agents got very, very upset. And on last Friday, they issued, uh, is there a, at eight o'clock in the morning, they issued an apology saying that we're very sorry, we, you're, you're, you're quite right, we've listened to you, and we are not going to ask you to repay the 75%. We'll just let you pay 25% for the next three months, then, we get, then we'll just go back to normal, All right? Nine o'clock, um, nine o'clock, Zoopla sent out an email saying uh, free. So they basically handed it to, um, in my opinion, they handed it to Zoopla on a plate, really. So that wasn't very clever. But that was, a, that was, I think, a bit of a PR own goal. You've got to be very, very careful about what, you, about what you do at the moment. And I think if you're seen to be trying to cash in on what's going on, I think um, it's it's actually quite bad. In fact, as I, th I think, did I mention earlier? We I did mention that we're offering fixed purchase for free. We're not making a penny out of it. If anybody wants it, you you can have it. Good luck to you. Come and come and contact me afterwards. Uh, um, it be our it will be our pleasure. So look, it's nearly two thirty, right? We've had this longest chat for ages, but we're not going anywhere. So we can carry on if you want. I'm I'm very happy to carry on, but I'd like to ask another. I'm going to ask. Um, a more light-hearted question to the um, anyone who, who's watching. We did. I did something last night. Um, there we go. Last night, can you see? Is that live? Okay. So last night, I'm a, I miss my swimming buddies for my swimming club. So we had a virtual drinks cocktail party at seven thirty last night, and it was great actually. So we chatted away for an hour. So. We we are we thought we should do the same sort of thing in the property business actually, and we thought we would see who's around and who might be interested in having a if we actually were to say a single old Friday cocktail party join. 
so we would we thought we would actually see who might be interested and at the moment no one <laughs> so my question is to maintain contact with with within oh i should say within the within um property amongst our colleagues and friends in the business during this crisis would you be interested in the idea of a virtual cocktail party and and i can see that the it's obviously broken there's something obviously the pole's broken but there doesn't seem to be a lot of interest what's going on well, that was a great idea i'm going away for the daily exercise now well i'm having a drink i'm having a drink <laughs> so that's it really i think um it's been quite interesting very interesting today, hasn't it? <laughs> very interesting oh why can't you vote says people can't vote oh i well, don't know oh there we go look there we go Fox is interested. Why is Why is he such a technophobe? I mean, honestly, huh? What is? He's very good. Very, very good at very sharp blockchain. Clearly, yeah. We should do a. It'd be great on a pub quiz, wouldn't he? Um, okay. I think two weeks, four weeks time. He could do another blockchain. He could do a blockchain presentation. Okay, guys. So I think that's it, isn't it? I think I think have we all had enough. Hour and a half. We've had quite a lot of views. I don't know how we can see how many views we've had on Facebook. I don't know how it works, but apparently, um, Facebook has basically um, gone down due to the traffic of people watching Singer VL's live stream. So um, that's so they'll they'll tell you it's their tech. They'll tell you it's something else, but actually, it's due to us, uh, due to our popularity. Anyway, that's us really. So well, thank Hamish, you very much for me Hamish, on. thank you very much. Susanna, great. Thank you very much. So, you know, special look at that. Thank Anybody you. could just join like that, you see. Jonathan, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, and the rest of the team, thank you very much. So my all I would say is uh, keep well, really. And we'll try and do this um in the in the in the near future. Just keep well everyone done. well done. That was good. All right, Thanks, guys. guys. Nice to have meet you. Have Thanks a good day. Bye. Well. Keep Bye. well. Bye. 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 Then there were four. <laughs> then there were three. <laughs> <laughs>